You could be seated. My name is Pastor Chris. If you're new here, we're glad to have you with us. I hope you enjoy uh, that gift today if you receive one of those bags and that we have a chance to connect with you after service. If you're just catching up with us, we're in week two of a series called Moving Mountains. And this is a very special season right now for us as a church. We have just come through our one-year anniversary where the Lord had put something on our heart to make a shift and a change in our priority around prayer as a church. Many churches pray, we prayed, but we felt like God was calling us to go deeper, to not just be a church of prayer, uh, with prayer, but a church of prayer, that it would really be sewn into the fabric and the DNA of who we are. And so the Lord has just called us to take a step further. And we just had our one-year anniversary. How many were at the service on Wednesday night? Can I see by a show of hands? Can I hear from you? What a powerful time, amen? What a powerful time in God's presence. So thankful for Pastor Simbola and the word that he brought. Um, that word marked my life. How about you? Uh, I just felt the Lord stirred so deeply within me. And you have to hear it, church. Every single one of you, you need to hear this message. I'm so thankful that like it is with so many other things in days of old that we say, oh, you missed it. You should have been there. You, can, you don't have to have missed it because you can still dial in, listen to the word, receive the truth. God spoke very powerfully to us. So you can go to our website, evangelchurch.com, go on our Facebook page, go on YouTube and search for it. The title of the message is It's the Gospel, and it's from our Wednesday night prayer service. You want to hear it, do this. Listen this weekend. You got tomorrow off? Take time, listen, and just receive the word that the Lord has for us as a church. Amen? Amen. I'm, I'm excited today to continue on in the series. If you have your Bibles, would you open with me today? We're going to be in Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. It's the second book of the New Testament. It's one of the four eyewitness accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus, I'm so thankful that we have the four Gospels, and some of you that have read those, you, you wonder why. Uh, why do we need four stories? They kind of are all saying the same thing. It's good to have that because there's something beautiful and rich about the fact that we have four different people that saw Jesus, that spent time with those who followed Jesus, that were there in the midst, and they get to tell their eyewitness account of all that they saw and heard. And uh, because of that, we have this richness whenever we read some of the same accounts from different perspectives. And, uh, and so that's what we're doing today. We're going to come to the same passage of Scripture, the same story that we read about last week in Matthew's Gospel. We're going to read about it in Mark's Gospel. And when we do that, we're going to pick up on a few other things that are going on there that Jesus speaks to that we have to apply to our lives you know, for me, I want to see mountains move as I pray. Amen? I want to see God answer and move in the power that I've seen time and time ago. And here's what I know. The same power that we see, the same power that conquered death in the grave, the same power that rose Jesus Christ up is the same power that's available, church, that when we call upon the Lord, he hears us and he answers. And the goal of this series is to begin to have a faith-filled prayer life, one where we begin to see mountains move in our lives and we see the promises of God unfold. And to do that, there are some key principles. You know, as we read God's word, we don't want to just be hearers of the word, but what? Doers of the word. We want to put this into practice. We don't just want to know it. We want to know it and live it. 
And so I, I have three things that I want us to dive into today. If you're like me and you want to take the mountain, that's kind of the title of the series and the message today, is I want to take the mountain. I want to chase after the promises and those things that have stood in front of us for so long, maybe intimidated us, that I'm ready to begin to pray and to ask the Lord to move in power in those areas. I want to see the mountains taken in Jesus' name. So we're going to understand three things that we're going to dive into. But first, I want to read this passage of Scripture to us because it's going to help us get there. Look what it says, starting in verse 22. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and not have doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you will receive it, it will be yours. But, someone say but. When you are praying, first forgive anyone who you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive you of your sins too. Lord, would you help this word come alive to us today? Jesus, you are the word that became flesh, Lord. Would you make the word, your words, become life to us today? Speak to our hearts. Teach us, Lord God, not just from here, but from anywhere in your word you desire to lead us today, Lord God, to apply this truth to our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Jesus is saying to them, and as we established last week, there's power and authority in the name of Jesus. And it was in this section of scripture at this moment in time where there was some doubt to the authority. Did, did his name really carry that power? In fact, the disciples became confused and amazed, saying, Lord, how could a fig tree wither just by your very word? How can a blind person receive sight? How could all these things happen? It's because there's authority and power in the name of Jesus. Jesus would ask over and over again, do you believe this? Today, we have to stand in that place and say, do we believe that the name of Jesus still holds power? Do we believe that we can pray in his name and there's still freedom? There's still healing. And we say yes and amen, church, right? So we believe in the power of Jesus. He said, you got to believe. Don't doubt in your hearts, but trust me as you pray. But there's some other principles that I think are so important here, and I want to begin to explore them. Three things today, they're going to help us take the mountain. They're going to help us chase after the promises of God to enter into uh, prayer with faith and confidence and assurance as we call out to the Lord. The first one I want to talk about today is the power of partnership in prayer, the power of coming into agreement. Say it with me, partnership. Say this word, agreement. My goal today, I'm going to have you repeat a few things. I want it to get from your head to your heart. And when we come into partnership, this is the idea that when two or more gather together in prayer, you know, when Jesus was speaking, he was speaking to his disciples. He was speaking to them collectively, not just individually. You know, one of the things I think is hindering us in our Christian faith so often is that we talk so much about a personal relationship with Jesus, and we think that that also means it's an individual relationship with Jesus. Yes, that is true, but I want you to know your faith is also meant to be connected to others. Now, what I don't mean is that your mom's faith can't get you to heaven. 
Your faith can't get your other loved one of your friends uh, to heaven. But it's so important that as we come to faith individually with our Lord and Savior, that we're meant to be together in community, that there's power in numbers, there's power in coming together, in calling upon the name of the Lord. And the Lord talks about that specifically. In fact, when Jesus would send out his disciples to go and minister on his behalf in his authority, sent them in groups of two, Jesus saw the power in unity. Say the word unity with me. Unity, it's a coming together in agreement, and there's power in prayer when that happens. Look at Matthew 18, verses 19 through 20. Jesus is speaking. Here's what he says. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. You know what Jesus promises? He promises power, and he promises that his presence shows up when we gather together and agree together in prayer. Whenever we talk about this, I want us to understand what it it is and what it isn't. You know, agreement in prayer is not a new thing. It's a very biblical thing. We see in the early church, there are several stories and moments where God shows up in power, and it is a result of a group of people coming together in unity praying together in agreement or in partnership. So we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, the Bible says they all joined together and were constantly in prayer. In verse uh, four, chapter 4, verse 14, they raised their voices together in prayer. The Bible says they were in one mind, in one heart, or in one accord. There was a unity in their hearts and in their minds as they came together in prayer. You know, when we talk about coming together in agreement, though, I think it's so important for us not to miss this idea that when we come into agreement, we're coming to agree together. We're partnering together and believing God for an outcome, a specific outcome in many cases. You know, there's a time in Acts chapter 12 where Peter gets put in prison. And the Bible says the believers gathered together and they began earnestly praying for Peter. What were they praying for? They're praying for God to break through. They're praying for God to bring about his release. But sometimes as we come together in prayer, what we often often have is multiple people praying for whatever it is that they're praying for. We can say, hey, let's pray for Peter. Well, I pray that he be released, Lord. Well, I pray that maybe you keep him there, Lord, but you do this and you do that. And, and it's almost like everyone's praying in different directions. When we talk about praying in agreement, it's that we're coming together in one heart and in one mind in agreeing in prayer to an end. So if I came and my, my, my child was sick and in the hospital and I come and I say, I, need, I would ask you to come together. The doctors have said this. They've given this diagnosis. But I'm believing the Lord that he's going to heal and set my child free and, and give healing to him. Can you come together in agreement with me? Can we agree and ask God to move in that way, to move that mountain? Not all these mountains, but I'm asking for that mountain. Will you come together in agreement? Do you see what I'm talking about? There's power when we're willing to focus our hearts together and really agree with one another in partnership. Is that making sense church and so there's power in that I've been in prayer circles at times where I'm like hey well someone can we pray and this is what I want to pray for and then and then we're praying and someone else tr- trips in they're like well you know what, Lord I pray maybe not that but let's try. And I'm like whoa what are we doing here I thought we're coming to pray and ask the Lord for that we'll, we'll get to that in just a moment um, because there's collective wisdom I believe as we come together that we want to get into but this power of agreement is very important 
And I believe that as we come together, number one, the Bible promises that as we come into agreement in partnership and prayer, there's power over and over again. The, the Bible uses this illustration that there's power in numbers and an amplification, a multiplication. You want to know why God's moving in such power? Because so many of us are coming together on Wednesday night and in corporate settings and calling upon the Lord. And there's one thing, and Pastor Rick will know and others, when we come together every week, there's a few things I want us to do. And one of them is that I all want us to lift our voice towards one one direction throughout the night. There's one thing, like I just, I'll say it, I just want us to pray in one direction, because many times we're praying for a lot of different things, but it's like, can we just all pull our hearts together and pray into a missions team that's about to go? By the way, Team Puerto Rico is about to land as we, as we speak. We're exciting. Huh? They landed. They're here safely. Praise the Lord. When I get this, Omar, that scares me. Like, they're not going to land, or what? I didn't know what that meant. Uh, no, uh, but, but no, they're landed, they're safe, they're there. But we all prayed into that. We prayed in for the Lord to use them, to move powerfully. I think there's power when we all lift our voice to one direction. Are you with me? But also being willing to come in agreement invites accountability and wisdom, right? Because sometimes it's when I'm willing to come and ask others to pray with me, that there are times that the things that I'm even looking to pray for, the Lord may need to renavigate that. I see through a, through a mere dimly lit. I, I don't always see it as clear as, as, as we can. Is anyone else with me? Sometimes my emotions, my frustration, whatever it is, I'm, I'm asking for this. And it's when others that are wise and godly come around me that that can help me to really direct and focus my prayer in a way that the Lord may want. But it also invites accountability because there are certain things that people could ask you to come into agreement with and you might need to say no. I can't come into agreement with you on that. Can I give you an example? If we get out to the, to the foyer today and some, one of our brothers or sisters walks up to you and says, I'm going to go cash out my life savings today and I'm heading right to Quick Check to buy a bunch of lottery scratch-offs and I'm believing God for the million dollars, it's going to come. Will you come into agreement and prayer with me for that? You can pray them and even baptize them if you want to, but we can't come into agreement for that. Are you with me? You say, no, no, I can't do that. Some of you are very disappointed right now. It isn't happening, Okay. But, but whenever we start to see things, someone come, and, and that's hard. Those are hard conversations. Are you with me? But, but with that, we can start to put, what is, what is the issue here? Well, what, what's going on? I, I need to pay my bill. You know what? Maybe that's not the way, but can we begin to pray? And we're going to ask God specifically for this. And we begin to pray. There's a wisdom. Are you with me? And sometimes we have no idea because of where, where we're at and what we're praying into. I have an example of this where I was praying for something here at the church and I was meeting together with a few other senior pastors that were seasoned in ministry. They had experienced a lot. I had a lot of respect for them. They were uh, in, in different areas of, of leadership and influence and they heard from the Lord. They loved the Lord. And I, I began to share what was going on and, and what was on my heart. And I said, I've been praying and this is what, the step that I'm about to take and I want you to pray with me about that. And, and they looked at me, they all looked at me sideways, simultaneously at this dinner table. And it wasn't like I was going to do something bad or crazy. And I said, what is, what is this about? They said, no, that, that, that's like, that's good. We think that's a good step. One by one, they kind of said it. Like, that's the step many people would take and, you know, it makes sense and whatever. But just, I just don't feel a peace about that. I think that maybe the Lord might want to do this. And I'm like, no, I already tried that. I already thought about that. That's not. One by one, though, they just all like pleaded with me. Like, no, we, I, I feel like the Lord might want to do this. They don't know each other, but they're all saying the same thing. And I said, okay. And they said, can we get together and can we just agree in prayer on that? And I'm like, all right, let's pray. I was, I was discouraged because I'm like, they, they don't understand it like I understand it, Lord. And, and we came together. Do you know it took like three weeks and God answered the prayer exactly as they prayed over here? Are you with me? 
How many times can that happen in our lives where we feel like we know it, but, but others will come around? And, and again, that could, be, that could be discouraging at times. It's not about always just moving away because oftentimes as we pray, God hears the desire of our heart. But there are moments of wisdom where we can come together in agreement. And what happens is there's a focusing that comes. You know, we have parents' prayer, which is a great ministry. Can we honor those that pray for their children, cry out for their children? I believe that's happening today after service. And when they come together, many of them, they're going to come and they're going to bring, moms uh, and parents are going to bring forward a very specific prayer request. And they're just going to pray into that for their children, pray into what's going on. And sometimes in the collective wisdom of the room, I'm sure as they're praying, the Lord may lead that prayer even in another direction. And that's, that's okay. But are they willing to come together in agreement and agree there's power? power in it. Are you with me? So I think we, I think we grabbed that today. And that's the desire is that we want to make sure that as we come into agreement, that we're agreeing with one another in prayer and we're agreeing before the Lord. But the ultimate goal is not that we can get other people to agree with us. It's not even that we can get God to somehow come into agreement with us. It's that we make sure that as we're praying, we're coming into agreement with God's heart, his desire and his will. That, that, does that make sense? Whenever we are praying, we're not praying that God's will would change to our will, but that our will would be transformed to his, conformed to his, come into alignment with his. So that's the idea and the power of coming into agreement with one another and with God. Are you still with me, church? We're going to go into the next one. We talked about the, the power of, that's partnership. The next one is the power of profession. And this word is a, is a powerful word. It's the power of our words, of professing, sharing what's deep within our hearts, um, you know, what we hold in our hearts is meant to be reflected on the outside. God gave us the ability to share and profess these things. You know, it's important to see how Jesus said, he, he said, you can say to this mountain, be moved into the sea. How many of us would, would, would feel so foolish if we ever verbalized that kind of prayer? Say, well, I could think it in my mind and no one will think I'm crazy. But sometimes there's a faith that's required just to open your mouth. Is anyone with me? There are some prayers, and I felt burdened for it. I didn't even share it last service, but I'm feeling it right now in this moment. There are some prayers that you have been afraid to pray because you, 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 you're just afraid to even say it. You think it sounds so silly. And here's what I believe with the, from the depths of my heart. One of the greatest tactics the enemy uses to thwart the power of God in the church and among God's people is to keep God's people silent. If he can keep you silent, he can keep you from thriving and becoming everything God's called you to be. Do you know why? Because he knows some things better than we know them, I really believe. He knows many of this word much more than we would even know it. He knows there's power in the name of Jesus. He knows that there's power when God's people come together and call upon the name of Jesus. He knows there's power when fathers get on their faces and they begin to cry out for their children to come back home. He knows there's power when God's people open their mouths, when moms and grandmothers begin to pray and call upon the name of the Lord. And there's, he knows there's power. And so what can he do? If he can't get you from, from loving God, he'll just get you to be quiet. He'll shut you up. He'll get you quiet. And, and what you start to find is the power just begins to diminish. You know what I also feel like silence becomes in many times? It becomes a symptom of hopelessness. I will. I'll give you an illustration about it. It's a sign of hopelessness that fills the heart of people. You know, the most vivid illustration I've ever heard of, it comes from an orphanage in, Ru in Russia. This orphanage uh, was there, and there was two lovely uh, Christian parents that were getting ready to adopt a child. 
I believe that the husband was a pastor in ministry, and they had just known that God was going to give them a child and it was going to come through adoption. So they went to this Russian orphanage to meet the child that they would be adopting, that they were being paired up with. They walked in. And here's what I know about children's areas. I know it about preschools and classrooms and everything. You can walk around and hear it. When you walk within a certain number of feet from that place, you hear chirping and kid, you know, all these kids, all this chaos and all this stuff. My son just had a birthday party yesterday. There's a lot of movement and, and, and yelling and, and excitement. You walk into this orphanage, though, Dead silence, eerie silence. There are hundreds of kids. They open the door and they walk in a room. There are kids in cribs, babies, young, very young babies, just silent, just staring at them. Can you, can you imagine this with me? They're walking through it and they're just like, they don't hear anything. They walk up to the child. They spend some time with them. They try to talk and engage just cold, just cold, like they're just talking to someone that's almost lifeless. And then they say, okay, goodbye, and they get up and they leave. Same thing day two. Day three goes by. They're coming in and they're, they're, they're going in, and, and, and they see the same exact issue going on. I was talking to Pastor Marsha between services. She called it something called failure to thrive, which is a condition that can come into uh, situations just like that where children and others that as they stop vocalizing, it's, it's really a sign that they're just kind of shutting down. And it can become very detrimental even to their health when they stop vocalizing, verbalizing. Someone know what I'm talking about in the room? I hear someone affirming me with some, some level of confidence. You understand this. So this is happening. And so with that, they're speaking to this child. They're, they're talking. They're trying to show love. And on the last day, the husband and wife are walking away. And the wife is crying as she's walking away. She leaves, she's weeping. Because they just, they're, they, they're, next time they'll see this child as if they adopt, but there's, they're just so burdened for what they just witnessed. And as they're walking down the hall, they hear this piercing cry echo through the hallways. And it's their child that they just spent three days with. And when that echo comes through the hallway, it filled their hearts and they knew in that moment that that's our child because that child learned how to cry out to mom and dad. And I just, that's always stood with me. Because I think that that right there is such a picture when the word says that our spirit cries, Abba, Father. Because we have a father who hears us. He hears us. He turns to us. But you know what happens when we get hit with challenges and storms and hopelessness fills our hearts? You know why the kids weren't crying? Because no one ever answered them when they did. And they learned something. They had to unlearn what it meant to cry out. They had to unlearn something they were born with. I did not have to teach my son or my daughter how to cry. They came out of the womb knowing how to do that. God put it in them. And through that hopeless situation, it was taken from their lips. The ability to cry out because no one would hear them. Church family, we cannot be sons and daughters of the Most High that walk around muted because we feel that there's a God that doesn't hear us or a disappointment or a pain or whatever it is, we got to cry out again to him. we got to lift our voice because he hears us. You don't know what that silence is doing. It's deteriorating you on the inside. You've stopped crying. You've stopped crying out to God. I want to tell you, parents, dads, your children need to hear you crying out to God audibly calling upon the Lord in prayer. Moms, your kids need to see it. They need to see it modeled, your private time before the Lord. That doesn't need to be quiet. And somewhere's mom, she's off somewhere. No, let them hear you storming heaven on their behalf. Let them hear you weeping into the carpet for what you're crying out for the Lord for. Watch what it does to their faith. Come on, there's something wrong, parents, if the only time our kids hear us pray is before meals. And when we pray for them before they go to bed, let them catch you in prayer. 
Don't feel like you need to go tuck away. Let them see it. Let them see it modeled in your life. You know, and, and that's what I've, I've, I've just become convicted by. That when I take my, I'm spending my private time with the Lord. Here's what I'm starting to realize. Maybe it doesn't need to be so private. It could be with just me and the Lord, but it doesn't mean I need to be silent. I, you know, I might sound like a crazy person as I'm talking. I'm talking, who are you talking? I'm talking to the Lord. Why are you using your words? No one else here. Yeah, he's here. I know he's here. He doesn't need me. Does he hear? He understands the thoughts and attitudes of my heart. I get that. But I think there's power when I just begin to speak out. When I begin to call upon him. You know, driving to work. So people think you're on the Bluetooth. It's fine. We have Bluetooth. And, car, and they'll just think that when they see you and you're crying out. And you're, you know, you're, you're waving your hands and everything like that. Talk to the Lord. Speak to him. Cry out to him. There's power in just professing our faith, our trust in him. Don't just bottle it up on the inside. There's power to the words that you speak. Remember that. We know that, right? Proverbs 18, 21, power of life and death is in the tongue. I don't know if I like the second part of this verse. Those who love it will eat of its fruit. What's that all about? That if we love the words that we say, we're going to eat of their fruit. If we're speaking in ways that are tearing people down, if, if our tongue is untamed, which the Bible talks about it, that, it, that it's continually giving way. We're saying the wrong things. We're tearing people down. We're quick-tempered. We, we say the wrong things. There's a fruit that we're going to eat of because of that. But if we use that same tongue to lift up the Lord, to cry out to him, to call upon his promises, to call upon his word, we're going to eat of that fruit as well. Amen? There's power as we call out to the Lord, as we speak out to him. Jesus said, speak to the mountain. One of the greatest ways that we can call upon the Lord and profess our faith is it's when we place our confidence in the promises that God has made. As we begin to call upon his word, as we begin to recall his word, as you might be standing in your life, walking through life, and there is a mountain standing in front of you. And as that mountain is in front of you, maybe it's cancer, maybe it's some lack of provision, maybe it's some challenge, some relational issue, whatever the challenge or the mountain might be. Here's what's amazing. The more you draw near to God, you know his word. You know what happens when you know his word? You begin to say, I know that I'm dealing with this diagnosis. But I believe he said it somewhere in the Psalms. Oh, here it is. Psalm 103, verse 3. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. All right, Lord. Lord, I call upon you today. Lord, I see this mountain of a diagnosis standing in front of me. But you are the God who has promised that you forgave my sins and you heal all my disease. So today, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I call upon your grace, your power, your mercy. Lord, fulfill this promise in my life. Do you see taking hold of it? You begin to call upon it. There's, this is just one. There's so many precious promises God has made in his people. Are we willing to take hold of them, church family? Are we willing to call upon the Lord to meet them? Are we willing to call upon those promises? One of the most beautiful examples of this that I've seen is found in Caleb, Caleb's story. Caleb's one of the two people, the spies that went and looked at the promised land, and then they came back and said, no, we're going to go take it. I, I want to take the promised land. God said it. Let's do it. But there were 10 others that drove the people away. They went into the wilderness. You know the whole story. They died in the wilderness. But Caleb and Joshua, they got to go into the promised land. Well, 45 years before we get to Joshua 14, Moses made a promise to Caleb. He said, because you trusted the Lord, because you heard him, because you obeyed him, because you were full of faith and you were confident in, in the Lord's provision, you are going to get this land. And he marked out a land for him. He said, the land you're standing on, that's going to be your inheritance for you and your children. 45 years goes by, church family. 
Now Joshua, they've conquered that land, and they're coming up to that very mountain, that very hill country. And Caleb goes, and he needs to have a meeting, a face-to-face meeting with Joshua. And in, and in Joshua 14, he said, Moses swore to me on that day, as the Lord spoke, that this mountain is my inheritance. It was a promise that was made to me from the Lord. And all these years later, 45 years have gone by, but I've never let go of that promise. And today I'm calling for it. He says, give me that mountain. For me and my, just give me the mountain God has promised me. Come on, somebody. A lot of time has gone by, and I love what Caleb says. I'm just as strong today as I was then. I'm just as fervent. I'm ready. I'm as ready today as I, as, as I was then. You know what happens over time, though? When the promise becomes delayed, when the gap gets wider and wider, it's hard to stay strong and vibrant. It's hard to keep holding on. Come on, someone. You know what I'm talking about. But today we got to come with full faith, trust in God to say, I want to be as strong, as strong then as I am now. I don't care if it's been two days or two decades. Give me the mountain, Lord. I'm praying for it today. I'm still believing, Lord, that if you've said it, Lord God, that, that I can experience it, I can receive it. I don't care how long my child's run away and how far they've gone, Lord. Lord, I stood at an altar, Lord God, and you said they belong to you. And today, give me that mountain, Lord God. I'm asking for it. Come on, church family, we've got to raise up with faith and a trust and a confidence to just take hold of the mountains, the promises that God has said. And as we do that, God begins to just unfold his, his, in beautiful ways. But here's what I want you to know. Here's the warning. That we don't just take the, the word of God willy-nilly and just start to cut it up and say, well, I'm going to take that half of that verse and this, and we're kind of making it almost like, like this wish list or, or this special formula that we're going to get into. We've got to be very careful. Because some people, the Bible talks about, they'll twist the word of God, try to make it fit their agenda. Are you with me? Got real silent, but you're with me, right? They'll, they'll take it, they'll take parts of it. They'll, they'll do such a disservice to, to the word of God. Just remember this verse, okay? It's going to help you. It's going to help us as we come to the Lord and as we come with confidence in his word. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is alive and active. And it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates deep to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Read this last part of the verse with me. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This is what will help you. This is what will save you. This is what will keep you close to God, running after him, and operating in a confidence as you call upon the promises of God in his word. That his word judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. We're never meant to come with the wrong attitude and with the wrong thoughts and try to carry God's word and his promise. James begins to go into it in James chapter 4. He says, you're not getting what you're praying for. Why? Because you're praying with the wrong motives. You know, it's not about getting God to align with our will. It's about our will coming into alignment with God's will. It's about us understanding his heart, understanding his desire. And the word of God helps us. If you're hiding his word in your heart, you know what it's doing? You're being transformed. There may be selfish thoughts and desires within you, and you may pray and call out to God and call upon his word, but as, as that happens and as the spirit of God is within you, there's meant to be a turning, a transforming. It changes the way you pray. As you pray God's word, as you take hold of it, you make sure, Lord, I don't want this to be filled with selfishness and these things. Lord, I want my word to come under you. Lord, let your word wash over me. Speak to me. Lead me. Guide me. Does that make sense? The Bible says Luke, Jesus talks about it himself. And come on up, Pastor Rick. He says a good person produces good things from the treasury of good that's found within his heart. And an evil person, evil things from the treasury of evil that's in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart 
is full of. Out of the overflow, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Life or death, what's coming out of you? And as we call upon the Lord, as we're taking in his word, we'll begin to see a transformation that can begin to come out as we call upon the Lord, as we use our words to call upon God, as we use our words to call upon his word and take hold of his promise, as we profess our faith and confidence in him. So we talked about the power of partnership, agreement in prayer, the power of profession, the words that we, we speak and we pray. The final part, I believe it's most important, is the power of our preparation. It's the power of preparing and clearing the ground so that there be no hindrance. Do you know that there are hindrances to our prayers? We don't talk about them enough. This isn't going to sound very ultra-judgmental or anything like this, but over and over again, the Bible will talk about that. Make sure you're not doing this so that your prayers are not hindered. Make sure there's not a hindrance to your prayers. And so I want to point out a few of those. I, I meet with people from time to time, and they'll talk about, they want to talk about their prayer life. They want to, I feel like God's far. I feel like as I'm drawing near to him, I, I don't sense his closeness in the way that I did before. And I, we talk about the idea of seasons. It's not always about the way you feel, but it's about knowing and standing in that confidence. But as they'll press, I'll sometimes begin to ask a series of questions. And oftentimes, some of these hit right on it. And I wanted to share some of these with you today. Because they may be the very test that you want to do in your own heart before God. Say, Lord, I don't want anything hindering my prayer life. I don't want anything standing in the way of me running after the mountains, Lord, that I'm believing you for. And so the first one is this, is confessing our sins. It's confessing our sins before God. If there's any unclean way within me, Lord God, if there's anything that I'm doing that is, Lord, really in rebellion to your ways, you know, whenever we come and Jesus tells his disciples, you could speak to this mountain. You want to know what, why he could say that to his disciples and he didn't say that to the crowds of millions of people that would follow him? He said it to those who had fully surrendered their lives to follow him. The question we always have to ask is, this promise I'm about to take hold of, am I, is it actually applicable to me? Have I surrendered my life to Jesus? And, and so for, for that, part of it is, is a surrender of our sins, surrender of these things that would hold us back. And, and if we cherish that, if we hold on to that, it can hinder us. Here's what the psalmist says in Psalm uh, 66, verse 18. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. I want to know that as I come before the Lord, there's not anything standing in the way of him hearing, responding to my prayer. So I ask the Lord for his forgiveness. Here's what I'm thankful for today. There's nothing anyone could have done to separate yourself from the love of God if you've surrendered your life to Jesus. His forgiveness exceeds your wildest imagination. Whatever you're willing to bring to him, confess to him, lay at his feet. His forgiveness is available to you. Amen? The second one is forgiveness. Forgive, 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 forgive. And then forgive. That's literally how I wrote it in my notes. That family forgiveness has to be key here. Jesus gets through. He said, you could speak to a mountain and say, be moved into the sea. But, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone who you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. That's startling. I'm startled and I'm troubled by how many times Jesus says, forgive so that you're going to be forgiven. As if my forgiveness hangs in the balance of my ability to forgive others. 
And as he says it, it, it cuts to my heart because it's so easy. We've mastered this idea of being Christians that have experienced the incredible forgiveness that comes from Jesus, and we have found ourselves capable to carry unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment towards our brothers and sisters. It is completely counter everything of God. It's counter everything that God stands for and desires, and he takes it so seriously. And I talked to someone, and they said, Pastor, how can I forgive? How do I do that? And and I said, let me talk about what what I've done when it's been hard for me is I've turned to the person. Not that maybe they're not there, maybe they can't be there anymore, but I turned to that offense, that issue that I've been carrying for so long, it makes me feel sick in my stomach when I think about it, right? And I dwell on it. I dwell on what it meant to me, what it did to me, what happened to me, what, why, why this is going on, the weight of it. And then I turn towards the Lord, away from that, and I begin to wrestle with me and Him. Of all that I've done, I know about what happened here because I know what happened. But they don't know. No one knows what only me and the Lord know. And I look at the amazing, overwhelming amount that the Lord has redeemed my life from. The things that I've done, the things that no one would know about. All of those things from the time I was born till now and, and that Jesus picked up and took on the cross to Calvary. I look at the cross. I think about the sacrifice of Jesus. I think about the weight that he carried, the forgiveness that's found in his name. And and in that, I become so overwhelmed. And I look here, I say, what is this compared to this? And I just, and then then I'm able to. The Lord gives me the ability with the right perspective to say, I release this, Lord God. I'm going to allow the forgiveness that came to me to flow through me. It's done. It's done. I'm done. I let it go. I release it. I release the debt. I will not hold it against them anymore. When I come to them, you know, when you come to somebody, they owe you money or something like that, you're always looking at them a certain way. There's always a feeling like, oh, this thing like we have between us, it's done. There's no thing anymore. It's canceled. I'm not expecting anything. I'm not expecting you to act differently. I'm not expecting you to do anything. I've just released it before you. And then this is the kicker. I've begun to learn to pray for them to pray for God's blessing over their lives. There have been times I thought I forgave someone and I didn't realize how deep it went until I began to pray for God to bless them, how hard it was for me to do that. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? That's where the testing really was. And I did that and I pressed through and I began to pray for God to bless them, not for God's judgment. Some of us were good at praying for that kind of stuff over them. I'm talking about God's blessing over them. And as I prayed, I felt like open heart surgery was happening. I felt stuff just being ripped out of me. Are you with me? That's how it works. You know what I feel like then? When I go into God's presence, I feel different. I feel like a different person. So forgiveness is key. Another part of clearing the ground is really, it's setting God's will above my will. It's this incredible humbling and submission to God's will in all of it. Our lives have to be totally surrendered in the sense that, Lord, I want your will more than I want anything else. I just want your will to be accomplished. Lord, I submit everything I am to you. We can come in confidence, and at the same time, we come with a submission of our hearts before him. Submission of our lives. And as we lift everything to him, we ultimately place it all in his hands to do with it what he can do. Here's, the, here's 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? I want us to close today in prayer. I want you just to close your eyes with me. And I I really believe the most important thing that we can do before we pray 
as we can prepare the ground of our hearts for prayer. And we're just going to do that together right now. And we're going to take a few moments. The first one is we're going to just confess our sins to the Lord collectively, individually. Each of us will stand before the Lord. We're going to have to give account for ourselves, not, not the people around us, for ourselves first. And so with that, let's just begin to, just to talk to the Lord. And, and I believe that as I've spoken, the Holy Spirit's been speaking. As God's word's been opened, his spirit is speaking. Some of us, we felt the tinge in our heart when we talked about this idea of cherishing sin in our hearts. That if you know there's a waywardness within you, there's something within you that does not honor the heart of God. There's something you've been doing, you've been holding on to. Today's the day to release it in his presence. Today's the day to confess it before him. So come on right now, right where you are, close your eyes, get with the Lord and just begin to ask the Lord for his forgiveness. Would you begin to confess that to him? Lord, I know this is sin. I know this doesn't honor your heart. I know, Lord, this is it. And, and just begin to speak to it very personally, very, very specifically. And as you do that before the Lord, even in the quietness of your own heart right now, just begin to articulate those things before God. And now the act is repentance. Repentance isn't feeling bad and crying. It's turning. It's moving in the right direction. So would you just begin to now turn in your heart away from that? Lay it down. Sever it. Say, Lord, it's over. It's done. And now would you make a commitment just to turn towards God and to turn away from that? Oh, thank you, Lord. I can feel your freedom in this house today, Lord God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, as we turn, as we ask for your forgiveness, it comes in like a flood, Lord God. And I pray right now, someone who's been carrying a heavy weight of sin, Lord God, something they thought no one would ever be able to forgive them of, show them, Lord, in the depths of their heart today that you forgive them, that it is finished, it is nailed to the cross, it is separated as far as the east is from the west, Lord God. Bring your love, bring your mercy, bring your compassion, Lord God minister to hearts today. Oh, thank you. And now the heavy work, family. We're going to forgive some people today. We're going to clear it out. We're going to let it go. Today, as you've heard, you've heard what I said about forgiveness. There's someone that's hurt you. There's some bitterness that you've been carrying. Today, right now, in the presence of the Lord, are you willing to lay it down? In light of his mercy, in light of his grace, are you willing today to forgive those that have hurt you? to forgive those. And if, there's, if there are those things right now that are coming to your mind, would you begin to? Would you begin to forgive? Would you begin to extend forgiveness to them right now for what's happened in your heart? Would you begin to cancel the debt? Cancel the debt that's been built up in your heart. Begin to release it before them. You expect nothing more of them. It's been forgiven. It's been, it's been pushed aside. It's been laid down before you, Lord Jesus. Thank you today, Lord, as those that are coming before you with these burdens, with these things they've been carrying for so long, Come on, are you willing to just release it in the presence of the Lord right now? If you are, just begin to forgive them. They don't need to be here for you to forgive them. They don't need to hear it for you to forgive them. It's a decision you have to make in your heart first and foremost. Thank you, Jesus. As that's happening, now we're going to begin to pray. We're going to begin to pray for them first. Can you begin to pray for God's blessing in their lives? Not judgment, not pain, not justice. Begin to pray right now for God to bless them to increase them, to help them, to come alongside of them. Come on, just begin to pray that for them right now. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you, Jesus. Spend a few more moments just praying for them. This moment was overwhelming for me when I did this for the first time. Just begin to pray for them right now. God's blessing, Lord, bless them. Prosper them, Lord. God, help them. Encourage them, Lord God. 
Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, as we've been in your presence, as we've cleared our hearts, as we heard your word, Lord God, we know you've, you've heard us in all of this, Lord God. Would you come and honor the hearts of your children today, Lord God? And as we get ready to just come and pray and seek you, Lord God, would you meet us in power? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here's how we're going to dismiss today, church family. Can we just thank the Lord? Can we praise him for just a moment? I'd like for us to pray. I'd like for us to call upon the name of the Lord together. Here's what we're going to do. If you need to sneak out or, or, or step out for any reason, you're free to do that. But I'd love for everyone to turn with one other person, guys with guys, ladies with ladies, or husbands and wives. And would you just pray for each other before you leave today? Just pray for God to move. If there's something weighing on your heart, just begin to pray and call upon the name of the Lord. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night, and then we'll see you next Sunday morning as we continue our series.